Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you're here? The Montreal Canadiens refuse to go away. They refuse to go down quietly, even in a game where it seemed like everything was kind of going against them. Jake Allen, for the first time this year, and I don't, I'm not saying that he was terrible. All the goals that went in were pretty decent goals, but he never really made the big saves that we've seen Jake Allen make throughout this season so far. He had one big one, I think, on a breakaway, but other than that, it was not Jake Allen's best effort tonight, and the Canadians still find a way through. The Pittsburgh Penguins, as my guest tonight, Ian Boisvert, said while we were chatting before the show started, must be livid. Because for years, number 14, named Thomas Plekanec, had driven Crosby absolutely nuts. And now, Thomas Plekanec is gone. He's retired while playing in Kladno. And number 14, Nick Suzuki, is driving him nuts, playing him extremely well. And then there's Caden Gooley on top of it to boot. We have a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about the top line that refuses to go away. Uh, Yes, they will eventually regress, but... Let's have fun while it lasts. We're going to talk a little bit about Jonathan Drouin because I think he's he looked really good tonight. I, I want to give him some flowers because I know everybody has been trashing him. And, you know, some of it's deserved, some of it not. We're going to talk about that goaltender interference non-call that gave the Canadians life in this game. Cole Caulfield shooting from the point and Kirby Doc crashing the net. And, of course, we got to talk about the biggest story of the night. Metal. The Montreal Canadiens' new part-time official unofficial mascot i don't know what the hell's going on there they just painted michael pozzetta blue anyway let's start the show but first do you want to bet you can do it at sports interaction canada sportbook football continues basketball's back and all the the hockey season's well underway we're over a month in now we know how fun this season is already bet pregame live in play are on one of our many prop bets like cole caulfield to score 50 goals i believe you can get six times your money if he does Still looking like a good bet overall. Made for Canadians by Canadian Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And as always, if there's anybody in your family or yourself that struggles with gambling addiction, there are resources in the description of this video or if you're listening on the podcast, in the description in the podcast to help you find your way out. All right, let's welcome in my guest tonight, Ian Bovere. How's it going, Ian? No, it, it, it is incredible. I mean, uh, EJ in the chat already, he's saying the vibes are immaculate, and I couldn't agree more. I know that there are some folks... Oh, okay, hold on. Apparently, you're muted. Oh, my goodness. Let's fix that right now. I swear I fixed it already, but let's get... Okay, no let's welcome Ian to the podcast again here. Ian... Repeat what you said at the beginning, because apparently you're <laughs> muted. Yeah, I just that this is my second time on the show this year, and they've both gone to overtime. So hopefully that's not a trend that continues. Otherwise, we're in line for some pretty late nights. But um, an overall really, really fun game. Probably the most fun I've had watching a hockey game this season. Um, just chaotic, um, which I think you can expect. The Penguins are in the, the second half of a back-to-back with travel. Montreal was rested. Um, the third period was nuts. So that's that's loads of fun. Um, you know, if they have more nights like that this season, regardless of what happens, it'll be a good time. 
Yeah, it, it's going to be a fun season. And I know there are some folks out there who are worried about the Canadians winning so much and ruining their chances at the Bedard thing. And listen, I totally understand it. I, I do. But at the same time, remember that sports are for enjoyment and you've got to enjoy the good times while they last because this is a team that we've talked about a lot. They're not great. They have a top line right now that's absolutely on fire, which will not happen the entire season, right? You know, maybe Cole Caulfield will continue to score like this, but I don't think Nick Suzuki is going to score 50-plus this year. I Maybe he will. Maybe it'll be crazy, but I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, the goaltending they've gotten up to this point before this game has been astonishingly good. I believe they're, uh, in terms of experience, um, expected goals again, or saved above average or something like that. Uh, they're only behind the Flyers because Carter Hart has just been unbelievable this year. So you know, like Sam Montembeau, I believe, is five and a half goals above expected yeah. already. So like Jake Allen's been solid. There are going to be lean times. So I feel like everybody who's paranoid about a draft pick, remember that finishing last, even though they picked first last year, does not guarantee the first overall pick. You know, you can drop down, I think, only three spots now. But it used to be even further than that. But at the same time... Or no, you can drop down to four. Yeah, from yeah, first. you can go from yes. one to four. Yeah, so you could still miss out on those three potential franchise players, even if you were to be the worst team in the league. You can move up, you know? So, also, don't discount Kent Hughes' ability to move and shake at the draft. We saw that last year. Look at what he did yeah. at the draft last year. Like... Obviously, like I was in the building and the place went ballistic when they announced not one, but two trades for the Montreal Canadiens. And I have to give Gary Bettman some credit because he played that like a fiddle. He, I've never seen him booed more heartily, more consistently than he was in Montreal at the draft this, this past summer. But the way he was like, oh, you're going to want to hear this. We've got two <laughs> trades and they both involve the Canadians and the place just went wild like it was as loud as like just referencing times that i've been in the arena for things it was as loud as like the patrick wad jersey retirement ceremony wow that's how crazy it was in there when they announced there was two trades and then of course those trades immediately paying dividends with kirby doc and i don't want to i don't want to bully the guy but there was a tweet uh i think it was the habs reddit retweeted it from a guy named Derek lee saying he was watching back some the uh, Brinkett video away from Kane, and he played some da- some games with Doc and Hagel. Doc was just a brutal fit; couldn't keep up. Montreal really paid a first, Nazar, and a second, Nelson, for a center who can't skate. Both of those players will be better than Doc. It's pretty uh, old Dick's exposed level take right there. I gotta say, I don't know what was up with Doc in Chicago, but can't skate. Man, that guy is flying out there, confident. Flying and moving efficiently. Like yeah. he's moving, like he's cutting through guys, which is not something that we've seen young forwards on this team do with regularity. Um, most of like, you know, we see Slapkovsky try to go through a guy and, and you know, deke him out of his pants. It just doesn't work all that often. Um, but Doc, we saw it tonight. He's just splitting through the D. Um, you know, it helps when like games against Vancouver, they put goals on his stick, but he's in those situations. Like he's moving really efficiently out there um you know i i i think there's 
like Nazar is the guy that obviously the Blackhawks took with that first round pick. Yeah. And he might end up being better than Doc. We have no idea. Maybe. Like, He's a good player. The picks are picks in a sense are magic beans. Like we don't know. Doc even even himself was a bit of a magic bean when he came to Montreal because he had not really had his coming out party. We're seeing it right now. It's happening in front of us. Um, so it's really nice to finally be on the other end of one of these. I know we saw it with Suzuki and we saw it with Caulfield, but like, you know, to win a trade like this and it at least the early returns on it are very, very good. And I will say on the, the Gary Bettman being booed thing, I've only gotten to go to one draft and went to the 2016 draft in Buffalo. We paid $15. We barely got in the building. We were like two rows from the outside of the building. And at the beginning when, you know, he does the whole welcome to the city of Buffalo or whatever, him speaking was a rumor. We could not hear it like because <laughs> of just how out, how drowned out he was by everybody that was in there. It, so completely understand. And he did play that really well. He, he played that like the heel that he is. Absolutely. I, I'm so impressed by that top line. Just, I think as much as they're skilled, it's the intelligence and the patience on plays. Like they're so confident. And, you know, credit to the players for sure, because at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to do this. But credit to Martin St. Louis and the coaching staff for creating a situation where guys like Caulfield and Suzuki and Doc are always confident to make that extra play. Right. And sometimes it doesn't work out, you know, and you see that sometimes with everybody on this team, really. But there was a moment in this game where Kovacevic tried to make a play in his own zone. He tried to skate it out and he kind of got caught up, I believe at his own blue line and turned it over. And like, I can just see people's eyes rolling while watching this. Cause I, there's some people who hate him for some reason and think that he like needs to be out of the lineup, but I don't, I don't get it. I think he's great, but yeah. uh, I would rather see a player screw up making a play than just make a bat like a, a boring play that doesn't result in anything, right? Like for the forwards, yeah. how many years have we watched guys just rim the puck around the boards, the points over and over and over again, and never try to get to the middle. That's not an issue with this team anymore. There are issues that'll be ironed out as they build towards being a competitive team. But what we're seeing right now is unbelievably entertaining hockey. And I hope that they can keep that as they, you know, massage things into being more than just like a team that competes every night to a team that is competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that sort of the creativity of the forwards is really standing out this year for the first time in a really long time. And I think one of the things that Marty St. Louis has kind of worked on with the forwards in particular is player deceptiveness, like trying to fool people. We saw it last year. You know, there was that viral clip of him in practice where he was he's I think St. Louis is usually a left handed shot and he pretended to be a right handed shot for this one drill. He was showing Caulfield where he fakes the one timer and then he, you know, he moved back. And then like the next game, Caulfield did it and scored um, after, you know, we're seeing that sort of deceptiveness. Nick Suzuki in the slot on his goal where he's on his backhand and he's showing I'm going to shoot this. And then he just holds it and decides I have a lane right to the front of the net. I'm going to take it. So. I think that that creativity is, is it starts with that top line, but, you know, like you said, seeing it from uh, Kovacevic trying to move the puck out, I'm okay as well as seeing mistakes from him as a rookie, 
Mm-hmm. You know, Harris as a rookie, I'm less inclined to like those mistakes when they're from the Joel Edmondsons or the David Savards or the Chris Weidmans. They're not ultimately the end of the world because, you know, we're not really here. The team won't will the team will extend beyond those players. Um, but yeah, far more willing to accept little mistakes here and there along the along the way. Yeah, and I, I feel like this is the thing that's so fun about this season is like you don't really have to stress the mistakes. Like I would like to cover wins because I feel like this show is more fun with mi- <laughs> with wins. Like it's just a more fun chat. Like people are having more fun. Like the vibes are immaculate. Like uh, our comment section said after last year. I I don't want to cover as, as like dreary of a season as that ever again. But at no point in this game was I stressed that the Canadians were gonna like screw up the game. Like even when uh, who who was it with the Penguins that scored on the two on one? It was uh, Brock McGinn to mm-hmm. make it four uh, three late in the game, and I was like, ah, whatever. Like the yeah. Canadians played so hard in this game, and they played the the Penguins so well. I knew there was going to be a lot of positives to talk about. And I know that they were on the second half of a back-to-back, but frankly, they played the Maple Leafs. So did they really have to work that hard? <laughs> well, and, and you know, like to that point, games like this, like if they lost this game, you're kind of okay with it. And if they win it, even if you want to tank it, like you, you're still okay with them winning it because they deserved to win this game. I was peeking at some of the expected goals metrics. They were the better team in this hockey game. It's the sort of like the games against like that first game against Detroit where Allen stood on his head. He only gave up one, but then there was like two empty netters to make it three nothing. If you're rooting for the tank, that's the kind of one you can be upset with if they win. If you need to be upset about any of them because they didn't deserve to win and they're kind of just empty calorie points like this team isn't going to have a ton of those, you know, where they don't deserve to win at all and they still find a way to pick up two points. Um they they deserve to win this hockey game. They were the better team. They created more scoring chances. Um, I thought just outside of goaltending, because I thought Jerry was pretty good, outside of goaltending, they were the better team up and down the ice. Yeah, 100%. And Tristan Jerry was, I thought for the first two periods, flat out incredible. Yeah. You know, I think the third period was a little bit tougher for him, but I feel like he faced tougher chances in the third period as well. Like, who's yeah. stopping the Monaghan goal? No. Like... <laughs> You didn't no, get any help the, there. The the Caulfield goal and the the Anderson goal I thought yeah. were funny because the Canadians like they were generating at that point so much close to the net, and then it's two wrist shots from like tickling the blue line that find the way to the back of the net. Like that's just how things work out sometimes. It is. It is. All right. I want to talk about uh, Mike Hoffman's heater and Jonathan Druin's play tonight, and I want to talk about the goaltender interference call as well. But before I do, I have to remind everybody. Geez, there are. Almost 270 people in here right now enjoying the vibes of this game. Please like the video. It helps us out when you like the video. It helps the algorithm find our our stuff. I was going to say our shit. Same difference. Our shit. I'm not afraid to say shit. And put it out to YouTube. Find other Habs fans so that they know that we're here. And you know what? If you really like the show, hit that share button right now. And share it on your favorite social media that you like to use, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Share the show so that people can click the link and come and hang out with us. Because the more people in here, the more fun we have. The chat is part of the show. We interact with you guys because we love you guys. You support us. You make the show what it is. So help us out here. 
share the show, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're not already, and definitely smash that like button. Hit that little bell after you subscribe as well so you get notified when there is a new episode out. So, Jonathan Duran, Ian, had a tough one. It was either the last game or the game before on the power play, where he just his hesitation, I think, really hurt him. There was a few plays where he just got caught. Tonight, the pace of his play, so much better. And when when Jonathan Drouin took a one-timer off of a Kirby Doc pass, when Doc was up at the top of the umbrella there, I was like, hey, he's looking confident. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe there's still something left there. Yeah, and I liked Doc at the top of the umbrella because right now he is the most confident player on this team. And the the umbrella is where the power play is controlled from. You need a guy who who's, you know, who thinks that I can get this puck anywhere I need to. And Druin taking a one timer was like I I couldn't believe what I saw because usually he'll get that puck and it'll look like he's gonna one time it and then he holds it and he looks for a better play instead of just taking what's in front of him. He took what was in front of him. It was a good shot too. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I I the power play still kind of stinks looked better in this game it's not perfect yet um i would like to see that continue with doc on the top of the umbrella and let druan have fewer responsibilities but in more dangerous situations 100 percent. i i feel like doc also has like he's a little bit better of a skater in terms of agility than druan like druan can yeah. pump up his legs and get going really fast but i don't know if he's as quick off the start line as doc is and Doc's just a little bit better with his stick defensively as well. So if he does make a mistake, he's got that extra reach. He's yeah. a better poke checker than Duran, whereas Duran's more likely to either uh, fall or trip a guy and take a penalty. I, I like Doc back there. I really do. I liked him on the half wall too, which allowed Suzuki yeah. to go into the middle. I don't know if I like Druin as much on the half wall, but he has had power play success from that spot before. So... I'm okay if they run with that for a bit. I feel like it's worth worth trying. Uh, King of the North says, Arbor Jack, I didn't look at a place in the power play at all either. Yeah, I, I'm i impressed with his puck skills, you know? Yeah. I don't think him shooting all the time is the best decision, but he was getting his shots through. Yeah, minus the, the incredibly hard shot, I was getting Sheldon Surrey vibes. He's just, because Sheldon Surrey was not the strongest defensive defenseman. He would punch your face in if he needed to. And he could—he also played as close to the blue line as possible on the power play and just put pucks into the net. Um, I wonder how much of that shot can be developed at this point. Although, like, he seems better at it than, say, like, Alex Romanoff last year, who... Was low bar, at, but yes. <laughs> it's a very low bar, but for this team, like, that's sort of, like, what we're looking at as far as offensive defensemen go. Um, you know, I think Romanoff shot 4%. Like, the, you're right, the bar is very low. Um but I, I don't think he looks at a place there. I think like with the way things are, the, the power play needs to find a way to to. Or the, there are players on that second wave who I could see being called up to the first wave because it's just not working there. Um, you know, I, as much as we just talked up Jonathan Druin, if if he can't, you know, if he's not good on the half wall and he's not good at the top, like. Mike Hoffman's on a heater. Are we moving him back into that situation? He's a left-handed shot who could take that spot on the half wall. Yeah, 100%. Man, Mike Hoffman, man, what a difference 
getting a little bit of confidence makes. Hey, like he looked yeah. like a broken player to start the season. He was getting some chances, but just dejected all the time. Seemed to always, you know, have a little bit of hesitation in his shot. All of a sudden, Gallagher puts two on his stick perfectly on the rebounds, <laughs> and he's a sniper again. Man, that pass by Kirby Doc in overtime. Yeah. Um, I thought Doc was going to shoot. So did I. And then I thought he waited. Me. I thought he waited too long and he was just going to go around the net, which I think is what Evgeny Malkin thought when he peeled out. Yeah. I think Malkin was going to the boards to try to pick off that, like to try to pick off like maybe a missed shot, like trying to go short side or something. But yeah. Malkin obviously abandoned his check, which, you know, Malkin's not the most uh, amazing defensive player, but no. three on three overtime creates some holes and Mike Hoffman, no mistake. Yeah, I think so. On, on my show, the build the first week of the season, I was very, very down on him. Um, I, you know, I was sort of coming at it from the perspective that the Canadians are trying to recoup some value in Mike Hoffman, that he is not <laughs> part of the long term goals of this team. We know this. Like, it's not. It. I don't think it's unfair to Hoffman to say that. Like, he's not. I don't think he's going to be around once his contract's up. That's not no out of the the the, the conversation, but. I, you know, I, I thought for a while, like, man, he's there's no way he's going to be able to, like, be traded out of here because of, of the level of play that he was playing at. I know there were some tweets going around about his defensive metrics and how they looked a whole lot, but no one's buying Mike Hoffman to play an Arturi Lekkinen role. Like, no. you're not, they're not doing that. Um, but now the script seems to at least be on its way to being flipped. Like he is putting the puck in the net, which is what he is paid to do. Um, so uh, as much as this fan base loves ripping him, I'm at a point where I very much enjoy every single one of his goals that go in just because I feel like he's doing it out of pure spite. Like 100%. He just, it just, he's, he remembers every single account that he blocked and he says the name under his breath as he puts it in the net. He like, like writes them on his stick. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a fantastic comment here from uh, Mr. Major in the chat says he's not Mike Hoffman. He's Mike Han man. <laughs> when he's on, he's on. And when he's yeah. off, he's Hoff. Nice. nice. <laughs> Another couple good comments here that I just want to highlight. Uh, Rory Cochran is talking in the chat about how, like, obviously enjoy the moment, but like this team needs a top 10 pick and they're, they're probably not going to finish in the playoffs. So like, let's calm down on that side. I feel like nobody actually believes they're going to finish in the playoffs. Like I just want to, my gauge of the fan base is the people who are having a lot of fun and like vibing with the team right now are just enjoying the competitiveness and the nature of the way this team plays. I don't think anybody thinks that they're going to continue playing at this rate of wins for the rest of the season. Like, uh, Rory brought up the, like, the goaltending is going to fall out from under them a little bit, at least for sure. The top line is going to regress for sure. But yeah, they, they are going to, I think what makes it so fun right now is that there's almost no chance they don't get into the top 10 despite the strong start to the season. So you can enjoy this. And because, you know, you can look at the analytics and see, that I believe they're still like bottom five in expected goals, four percentage at even strength. I'll just check right now here. It won't have accounted for this game. Okay, so they're eighth. And then if you account for all strengths, look at their special teams, they're significantly lower. They're fourth last. 
So, yeah, their expected goals for in all situations so far this season is 41%. Their actual goals for is close to 49%. So, even while they're winning, they are being outscored overall. So, like, that's not going to last. But enjoy the fun. Because it's... And I don't think... And Rory, I'm not trying to say you're being a Debbie Downer. I really don't. I think that you are being a very rational fan who wants to see a Stanley Cup parade down St. Catharines. And I am with you 100% on that. I don't think... The main thing is, like, fans can say, you know, like, they're excited. Oh, maybe we'll make the playoffs. We'll have some fun. Be, like, really competitive this season. That's fun and doesn't matter. What would matter is if management thought that. And I don't believe for a second that they do. I think that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon see that this is not a patch it and run with it rebuild. This is a real rebuild. And, you know, maybe they don't get one of the top three in this draft, but I feel like they will wheel and deal everything possible to get there. But there's going to be next draft as well. You know, 2023... Or 2024, they've got pick picks, extra picks in 2025, depending on how the whole Calgary situation works out. Like they are fairly well set up already to build a very strong group of prospects, even if they don't have that guaranteed superstar. They've got some good pieces already. I, I feel like there's no reason for Canadians fans to stress right now. Yeah, and I think that a lot of this is going to be taken out of their hands by the teams that are currently below them in the standings. Like, if you look at the standings right now, Montreal's after this win, they're in 15th in the league. Do we really think they're going to finish higher than Colorado, than Tampa, than Minnesota, than Pittsburgh? Then, like, there are a lot of teams that have underperformed to start this season that have kind of buoyed Montreal's place in the standings. That's not going to stay there forever. I kind of think that, like, St. Louis, I thought was going to be better. They're just not. They look oh, really God. bad. Um, Rough. You know, like, I think Buffalo's probably better than they're playing. They're, like, like you said, it seems impossible that they won't finish in the top in the top 10 of the draft lottery because of all of these teams below them who are going to play better. Yeah, 100%. They're, they're teams that are going to catch their breath and blast away, right? Like, yeah, there's too many hurdles to the Canadians finishing outside of the bottom 10 really. And if they finish within lottery range, a little magic can happen. You know, we, we, sure. we saw that happen for New Jersey last year, right? They went all the way up to number two from, I believe they were eighth last or something like that. And look at how that, I mean, obviously Nemich isn't playing for them right now, but look at the turnaround in New Jersey. I don't know what's driving that. What changed with that team? Cause it wasn't the coach. I mean, I guess Hughes and Hisher are healthy together for the first time ever, but yeah. even that. I guess tonight they were chanting, sorry, Lindy. Like the, the 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 Devils fans who were mad at him, at Lindy Ruff at the beginning of the season, they chanted, sorry, Lindy, <laughs> in the middle of the game against Arizona, which was so, like, that's, that's a very, very smart fan base. <laughs> that is a very, very fun fan base. And New yeah. Jersey is a fun fan base as much as yeah. I know that they've been plaguing the other game over shows whenever <laughs> they, they face like Edmonton or Calgary so far this season, just angry Jersey because uh, I guess Adam disrespected them or something yes. heading into the season. So thanks <laughs> a lot, Adam. It's always Adam. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. On my birthday, February 18th, circle the date on the calendar. Adam Wilde will go through horrendous pain. Because Adam Wilde finds cereal spicy, and he's going to do the Hot Ones gauntlet with me, and I have no idea how it's going to go. We're going to have to have someone there. I think uh, Kaylee on Twitter 
said that she would be in the room to make sure that Adam actually puts the hot sauce in the wings. So it's going to be fun. All right. Um, we got to talk about metal. Oh, no, no. We got to talk about the goalie interference first. Then we're going to get to metal. Okay. So the goaltender interference call, I think, was about as logical as a goaltender interference call could be uh, that I've seen in the last two seasons. Yeah. Doc definitely touched Jerry, but he wouldn't have, especially if you look at the overhead view, if he wasn't pushed in by, I believe, Peterson or Pedersen. Yep. And it was outside of the blue, so that's fine. But I feel like there was some confusion, sorry, excuse me, from people in on Twitter that uh, because Jerry initiated contact with Doc and not the other way around, that it like wouldn't have been an interference anyway. Goalies can actually initiate contact because they have the right to telescope in and out of their net to cut down angles on shots. They have the right to that area, but the player has to be impeding their progress on purpose, right? Or like be in the blue. If they're in the blue at all, the goalie can initiate contact with them at any point and it's interference. Even outside of the blue paint, the goalie can initiate contact, but if the player was like, you know, in their way, it can still be called back. Carey Price was really good at manufacturing those calls, actually. But uh, great call, I think, by uh, uh, the, I guess, who would have reviewed it, the Toronto people, the NHL Decision Hub. Yeah, I thought, like, I was immediately, once I saw the goal, I said, that's not going to count. Because just... Because we're so broken when it comes to this rule that, like, I I look at it with my eyes and I say there's no reason that this should not count. But there's an NHL coach challenging it, which means that there is somebody who thinks that it should not count. So usually when that just entering in enough of that variability or, or, or you know, uh, disagreement is enough for me to go, yeah, this they'll probably just blow this off because that that's what they do. Um, but you're right. Like. Pedersen stops Doc from, from, you know, moving forward, which is what he intended to do. And yeah, Jari comes out of his net and initiates contact, which he's allowed to do, but Doc is being impeded by the defenseman in front of him. So it just sort of, you know, cascades from there. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's one, you know, I think we might be seeing the end of the goalie or the, the, the coach's challenge era as we know it. They're going to, as they talked about on 32 thoughts in the second intermission, they're going to, take a look at it during the GM meetings, whatever that means. Um, we might see a change. I, I don't know what you can do to change it. I, but I think I think we had this issue the last time I was on the show. There was a goalie interference in the Winnipeg game where you're we talked right. about how, you know, coaches aren't being, they're not being penalized for getting the rule wrong or trying to take advantage of it. They're getting penalized for incorrect challenges, for disagreeing with other human beings about a very subjective rule. 100%. So, I wonder if that's where this is going to change. Um, but this was a good one. So we got to take our, our moral victories wherever we can find them. Yeah. And when they do get it right and it's like clearly right, we got to give kudos because there's been times where they've got it clearly wrong. Yeah. Like I will never get over the Rick Nash pulling the Carey Rangers Price one. completely out of the crease against the Rangers. Never. It, it was will, in the Zamboni door when it went in the net. I, like was, I know. I, it blows my mind. I think about it constantly. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who works in the NHL, and they were like, well, you know, uh, when when he hooks Price's pad, it's outside of the blue paint. But he had to be inside the blue paint to get his foot in between, like, where the gap is above the knee. So, like, 
if that's not goaltender interference, nothing is. Okay, we're getting off topic. I'm just, ugh, I, I hated that metal. call so we much. Talk about metal. Yes, so we got to talk about metal. I'm going to upload a picture here in case anybody hasn't seen him. So this is the Canadians' new mascot, I guess, specifically for the reverse retro games. My first reaction was, why? But I have to say, as I bring this up and put him in the middle so nobody can see our faces. <laughs> I love him. I don't know why. I think it's the fact that he has a giant Lanny McDonald mustache and maybe a ginger mullet, but he's the greatest. Yeah. I feel like this is what Flyers fans went through when they first saw Gritty. They went, why? And then they went, wait a second. This is actually my son. I love him now. Um, exactly. Like, Okay, I just I have no words. Yeah. It's a strange one, but at the same time, yes. I said it's, it looks like someone someone put UP midlife crisis into that Dolly AI generator and that's what it spat out was was metal. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just saw uh Wakanda Forever on Friday. Saw it on a, in a matinee and I'm just like cuz the blue skin for the I want to say Atlanteans, but they're not Atlanteans. Atlanteans in the movie, it's just the the comics. The uh, Talokan is where they're from in in the movie. I'm just like thinking he's just an underwater Yuppie. I don't know. <laughs> like, but he's like, you know, a rocker very clearly. I, I don't know. It, it's fantastic. Well, now there are two mascots in the NHL with mullets. The, uh, the Minnesota Wild mascot also has a mullet. And uh, I said some pretty mean things about that. So I guess I'm going to eat crow on that one. Um, but that was <laughs> that, that this is a direction. I did not see this franchise going. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> this is a franchise that never had a mascot until the expos went away. And they're like, well, I guess we can't like throw Yuppie on the street. So let's just bring Yuppie in. And now this is technically the first Montreal Canadians created mascot. Yeah. And I don't know if you, if you, the Canadians website, they have like, lore like he has lore so just go and oh, read, I gotta it. read that yeah i don't i i was reading it and it was one of those things where i was taking in the information and it was just leaving my brain as soon as i got it but he has lore there's a background i i kudos to the canadians and his twitter bio is very funny where he says uh i don't need a check mark i'm already blue so <laughs> he's because he's not verified which is very funny um yeah, that this was a very very odd surprise for an already like very chaotic Saturday night game. They're like, oh yeah, also we have a new mascot that's only going to be at eight games this year, and then yeah. you'll never see him again. <laughs> well, like, and I don't think I heard anybody talk about this. Like, it was a complete surprise, right? Like, they hinted at it, like almost like the beginning of the game, and they just threw him out there halfway through the game, like. It's such a weird way to do it, too. Like they didn't—they should have done like a fake press conference or something. But uh, Kevin Obey says he's a, got a 1980s Quebec metal fan vibe. Love it. He could go to. He should. He should be like the mascot of Heavy Montreal too in the summer. Yeah, uh, he'll, King, he'll end up there. You watch. He's gonna show up there. King of the North says he kind of looks like you, Andrew. You know what? I'm gonna have to do a side by side on Instagram of when I did the uh, the big mustache last year with with metal. See how people think about that. Nice. I'll throw that on my Instagram. Which I'll I'll plug right now. Everybody can follow me there at Andrew Berkshire on Instagram. Um, other comments here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, no, that's not it. Metal feels like the uncle your mom won't let you watch or won't let watch you 
because you'll end up with a tattoo from Patty Bow. Yeah. Yeah, that fits. That absolutely fits. The the official unofficial retro mascot. It's a why did they do that? <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Just say he's the mascot for. We were saying all year, all we want is fun. They're like, fine, you want fun? Here's a whole package of fun. Like that's that's all they're doing is throwing ridiculous things at us now. I I can't that's wait great. to see what they do with them. In a way, like I know there are some fans who love like the traditionalism of the Montreal Canadiens, and I think it has its place a hundred percent. Like I would not touch the Guy Lafleur tribute from last year, right? In moments mm-hmm. like that, the Canadians' very traditional approach to things is amazing. And I have missed what they did with the boards that game every single game since. I hate these stupid digital yeah. ad boards. It's a topic for another day, though. But the Canadians incorporating more modern marketing and this kind of outreach to fans. Maybe this is not outreach to young fans, because, like... I don't know if metal is huge among like Gen Z (laughs) or younger, but I mean, for our generation, I feel like it's kind of fantastic and just doing different things and trying different things. It's just fun. Like the Canadians are legitimately a fun organization right now. And while there have been fun teams and fun players, especially like the PK Subban era of the Canadians, I don't think the team itself has been fun since I moved to Montreal in 2005. Like the organization, I will say, not the team itself, the organization itself. Yeah. And this is just, I think, you know, Chantal Maccabee is telling Cole Caulfield to just have more fun and be more like authentically himself when he's in front of a camera. I mean, even so much as like, you know, just you go on the Canadians Twitter feed and you look at like their banner or any of the artwork that they have on like their tickets or their website. Like it's all this like vaporwave stuff, which like years ago just wouldn't have like everyone would have lost their minds but it's all like really cool stuff like it's there the players look great in all the the imagery and it doesn't distract from anything but you're right like all the you know the history channel montreal canadians they have their place like the gila flair tribute is obviously first and foremost among them the um you know the 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 home opening ceremony that's another place for it but then like you then realize you have to entertain people and like I think they really thought that this year's team was not going to be entertaining, that they thought that they were going to be bad. And like now we have all of this fun and it's a lot all at once instead of having none like we did last year. So I'm not going to complain metal for life. That guy's the greatest. He, I mean, I can't wait. There's a comment here from uh, Sarah Y saying, isn't Montreal hosting WWE in a few months? I, I don't know, but I will say that if metal doesn't make an appearance when they do host WWE, I will be very upset. I would like to see him hit everyone with a steel chair. I would like to see him hit Yuppie with a steel chair. I don't care. Just like throw up some amazing stuff. <laughs> Philip Rodriguez says, Andrew talking about Subban in the most random way is my free bingo spot. Goddamn right. Any way to so bring true. it up, I'll force feed so it in true. there. Just like gotta make that like some meme of like somebody being force fed something and be like game over Montreal yeah. listeners Andrew with PK Subban just shoving the you will not forget him you will not forget. <laughs> uh, so Dave Glatt says Andrew good luck with the fun on the original six team that is number one. I mean yeah I mean original six teams are hesitant to have more fun I think I think they're so bogged yeah. down by their history that's something that Jay Baruchel said on the first episode this season was. This is a team that for a long time, I think, has been so tied to its history that's become a hindrance. 
And there's a yeah. way to incorporate history and respect history without it becoming, you know, that overbearing weight on players. Actually, there's one thing I wanted to talk about that I forgot about earlier. Uh, Nick Suzuki, there was a point in the third period, and it happened again later on in the game. One of my favorite things about him, and I love it even more as captain, is when he's on the ice and he kind of like gives the puck to somebody else and they screw up. If you notice, almost every time he gets like pissed off, he's like, fuck it, I'm going to just do it myself. And I, I forget who the defenseman was, but he gave the puck to them for them to like clear the zone and they messed it up. And then he like skates down and he just leveled a penguin against the boards below the goal line, took the puck, brought up the boards and put out like a clean outlet past the dock. And it happened again later in the period uh, or later in the third period, I think on his goal, he'd set somebody up. Or he tried to set up Doc, right? And it came right back to him. And he's like, whatever. Goal for me. Yeah. Goal for Nick Suzuki. Yeah. I just love the attitude that he has that when something doesn't go right, he's just like, it's on me now and I'm going to do it. And he does it almost every time. Yeah, it's that's captain shit, right? Like, that's just what he does. And it's like everyone was saying along the way that, oh, he's too young to be captain. It's too young to be naming someone captain of this very, very important, you know, historic franchise. Another way that that history is hindering this team and Nick Suzuki, what he doesn't have an age, like look at the games that he's played in. He's played in a Memorial cup. I think he, he didn't he win one. Um, he, he was on the Canadians as a very young player. They went to the bubble. They won a playoff round where he had his, or they won a qualifier against these same penguins where he had his coming out party. The next season he, he, he leads a run to the Stanley cup final. Like he's played so many important games in his career that like I take that experience with more weight than just the age that he is. Like 100%. that's it's a it's a dumb phrase, but it's just a number, especially when it comes to players like him and Caulfield. Caulfield was along for that that uh, Cup final run too. They know what it takes to get to that point. I think that's only going to help players like them, you know, get through these really really rough points in their in their you know in the next few years. To, to getting to the point where they can get back on cup final runs and maybe win one. That'd be really fun. Yeah. You look at this team and how much fun they have and how much the fan base is already engaged with them in a year where everyone expected bad things <laughs> to yeah. watch, right? If this group can actually get it done and bring a Stanley Cup to Montreal, like I just want to experience it. And I know we're talking way ahead of time. We're talking like four or five years down the line. And hopefully they have a large competitive window, but it's been so long, right? Like when they last won the cup, I was six and I still remember watching the TV, Patrick Waugh yelling, I'm going to Disneyland, which I learned <laughs> later camera. in life. He got paid for. <laughs> he got that's paid why he for was yelling they, it. They didn't tell him what camera. So he was yelling at every camera in front of him. <laughs> yeah. Just a random thing. I'm going to Disneyland. I'm going to yeah. Disneyland. I was not alive for that. So to be on this mortal coil when the Canadians win a Stanley Cup would be pretty cool. I'd be in for that. Yeah, it would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, they were saying the kids were so impressive during the Pens bubble series. Yeah, 100%. Like their first taste of of playoff hockey, especially Suzuki, was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, Lauren Williamson from Toronto from our game over Toronto says, uh, you'll take the Subban references and you'll like it. <laughs> Goddamn right. It's the man in the mirror pointing at himself saying, you will make this about P.K. Subban. 
<laughs> we got to stop talking about P.K. Subban. <laughs> but speaking of P.K. Subban, you see he just signed with ESPN. I feel like that's going to be a fun, fun situation. But yeah. back to metal, I feel like if we've got any fans here who are into fan fiction, I feel like this is the definitive proof that we've always needed, that UP and Gritty are related, and metal is the connective tissue somewhere along in there. I saw uh, someone in the in the chat there, I admit it's up further, I can't see it anymore, saying that uh, metal is like Yuppie's long-lost brother and uh, Gritty's long-lost cousin. Someone write it up. I will put it out there for you. If you, if you tag me, I will retweet it. Give us the fan fiction that creates the family of Gritty, Metal, and Yuppie. It's gotta, it's gotta exist. It has to exist somewhere in this I, world. I, I feel like you don't know what you just asked for, and I'm not. I will not sign off on that. I'm not so talking about the. <laughs> uh, it doesn't need to be sexual. Fan fiction could be anything. I didn't even say that, Andrew. I'm just saying <laughs> I don't know that that people will handle this with the care that it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Kristen, you're. Amazing wife says Andrew's the pa- Andrew's Patrick Watt, except he's yelling PK Subban into every camera. <laughs> if the Canadians win the next win the Stanley Cup one day, I will do that. I will go into like every ca- I'll do like a bunch of different camera angles around game over Montreal, last game over. and I'll just switch and PK Subban, PK Subban. <laughs> Imagine if PK Subban was on this team. Oh, that'd man. be too fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we did a great job covering this game. The vibes remain immaculate. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here. I'm having fun this season. It's honestly so much better than last year, and I feel like everyone is along for the ride here in the chat. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy our amazing guests like Ian. Uh, before we close it out, though, Ian, tell everybody where to find your stuff. Well, as long as Twitter's still a thing, I'll be on there at maybe it's Ian. Um uh, you can find my podcast, The Build, which if you haven't listened to, it's I'm cataloging the Canadians' rebuild. Once they win that Stanley Cup and, and Andrew yells P.K. Subban into a bunch of cameras, I will. That That's it. The show's over. We play closing time and we'll, we'll that ends their building of a Stanley Cup champion. So that's available anywhere you find your podcasts. And um, I tweet out the links. So follow me on Twitter at maybe it's Ian. Perfect. All right. Thanks, everybody. Our next show is coming up. I got to check because I never remember these things. November 16th, a Wednesday. So we've got a few nights off here. No, wait, that's not Montreal. That's Edmonton. Sorry, I'm managing too many of these. November Tuesday 14th, against Tuesday Devils. against the Devils. We got Grace, get great guests. The Coffee Man, as you guys so eloquently called him. Max Van Hoot is back for that one, along with Mitch Brown, who is, in my view, the best scout out there today that we talked to. On this show, he is phenomenal at breaking down what makes players special and uh, what makes them go. So that's going to be a fantastic show. Super fun. And then the show after that, Mark Dumont will be hosting for his first time without me. So make sure you come in and support Mark Dumont. He deserves everything good in the world. And uh, thanks, Ian, for showing up here. We'll see you on Tuesday. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.